Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the second hour of gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, and I feel bad for my next guest because he is a really, A, a really good guest, B, does a great job on the ringer, whether it's with um, breaking down the NFL and what bets to do with the ringer or the House of Carbs or all this golf coverage. Joe House is a great guest, but every time we have him on, it's usually to yell at him. And I'm going to do that as well. But then the rest of it is going to be nothing but praise and talk NBA and NFL. Anyway, Joe, really appreciate Thank you for joining the show today. Matthew, what am I getting yelled at for this time? What you're getting yelled at for this time is you. And, and by the way, everyone go back and listen to it, the podcast with you and Bill Simmons, breaking down the top like 70 players. It's a, it's a great listen. It is a great listen. But in the <laughs> middle of it, in the middle of it, there was two minutes worth of praise for Andrea Bargnani. And I can't stand that. I won't hear anyone. And I'm part Italian. I'm ashamed to be part Italian. I can't sit here and listen to anyone say good things about Andrea Bargnani. That was Simmons. It wasn't me. I don't have anything good to say. I mean, he did not live up to first pick in the draft potential. He never met that standard. But he had like a, you know, double-double kind of season or two in the mix. He wasn't the worst bust in the history of first-round picks. I no, mean, and, he wasn't. And, and it wasn't in, in, in a backhanded compliment kind of manner that we were talking about him because I've been calling Lowry Markkinen uh, the Finnish Bargnani for, for a number of years, the, the former Bull now with the uh, Utah Jazz who's having a really resurgent season. Um, but – I, I, I don't know. It doesn't. I don't feel like we were saying good things about Bargnani. I it, there was nice things that were being said. I got triggered. I needed to get that off my chest. The healing can <laughs> begin now. Thank you. Um, let, there's so many different places to go, but actually, we'll stick with the Raptors because when the last time you came on, we yelled at you for picking the under. But that was like a couple years ago, and maybe we we, sh we all took the over this year for the Raptors. And they're just you know they've lost like five in a row. They've lost some bad games. And just from someone who views the whole league, you know, it's not like you're sitting there day in and day out watching what Nick Nurse is doing. But just from your perspective are you as confused about the Raptors play as we are here in Toronto I am confused I I thought one of the things that I was going to ask you is what's going on with the Raptors because I was on before the season and, and we talked about how I liked their over coming in the, the total win total projection for them was 46 and a half they had 48 wins last year it is this curious mix of players that are all six eight or six nine but the attributes that made them successful last year was terrific offensive rebounding, great at forcing turnovers, uh, great in transition defense, and we're not seeing any of those things uh, this season, at least not consistently. No. One of the things that, that we sort of wondered aloud to each other, you know, is, is it uh, necessary in the, this modern NBA to have a center? The problem looks like they, there's no rim protection for the Toronto team, so they're missing out a lot on, on defense. What, what, what's going on up there? Yeah, the, 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 the center is definitely a big one, and the Raptors take on Joel Embiid tonight. Oh, if you wanted to bet that Joel Embiid would get 20 points, if you bet $100, you would win back 50 cents. 
That's how much <laughs> Vegas. That's so if you want to bet Joel and B to get 20 points, you will make 50 cents if you bet 100 bucks. But it kind of just speaks to they have no, uh, they don't have any rim protection. They have no center. The shooting's been up and down. It's just it's been really disappointing because the Raptors 48 wins last year. Okay, another year with Scotty Barnes. They're bringing the entire team back. We all expected the team to be better, and they're not. I mean, it, the sad thing is the Utah Jazz have more wins. The Pacers have more wins. The Knicks have more wins. It's, it's, it's very depressing right here in Toronto. And, and it got so bad, Joe, someone was bringing up Victor Wembenyama, and I had to remind everyone the Pistons and Charlotte and San Antonio still in the league. The Raptors are not a team that's going to be able to tank. Well, I don't know if that's the case. And then let me uh, ask the question. I mean, right now the Raptors are like Washington. They're closer to the bottom than the top. And there is kind of this existential question confronting both franchises. You know, we're at the the time of the year. uh, Christmas is is right around the corner. So the the sporting public is going to start paying attention to the NBA a little bit more because football, NFL football is winding down uh, a tiny bit. Um, and, you know, we're, we're kind of sizing up um, who the buyers might be and who the sellers might be and what teams are candidates to potentially blow it up. And, and in the uh, uh, Eastern Conference, the, the candidates are, are obviously Washington and Chicago, but I think I might have the Raptors as a team to keep an eye on as a potential seller coming up to the trade deadline. I mean, are you hearing the same things? Well, we're now starting to have that conversation. Look what Masai Ujiri did out of nowhere, trading and getting Kawhi Leonard. This obviously would be a very different sort of situation. The idea I threw out there is Scotty Barnes is a great playmaker, great passer. Uh, he's the same height as, as Magic Johnson. Trade Fred Van Vliet. Make Scotty Barnes your, your starting point guard. And I'm, I'm kind of half serious about that idea. But the fact that we're even having this conversation means our expectations have changed greatly from the start of the year. Well, I, the thing that I wondered about, and, and I, I um, put this to you and your listeners who watch the have eyes on the Raptors um, on a consistent basis, the things that made them good last year that, that led to their success are all effort items. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if there's a chemistry thing happening that's, that's feeding into to the effort. And the, the problem there is uh, when you are the all-effort team, that's great in the regular season. It doesn't work in the postseason, and it only has so much of a shelf life. We are joined by one of our favorites. It's Joe House. You, you read him, you hear him on the Ringer Podcast Network on a variety of different podcasts. Moving over to the NFL. Um, was, if we wanted to talk about the wildest weekend, I, I think we could say this past weekend was. I don't remember like, just what happened at the end of that Patriots-Raiders game. I wonder if that's going to have a bigger picture impact on what that team does going forward. I've never seen New England look, look I don't want to say dumb, but just look that clueless out there. Well, I will say this. The spiked eggnog was definitely flowing through the <laughs> NFL universe this weekend because it, it, was, it was really a beautiful thing for anybody that was able to just watch and not have you know, their team on Sunday night put up a stinker, uh, which you know, might have been most of the rest of the NFL Fan base, but um, that that Patriots situation. Speaking of teams that have existential questions in front of them, uh, listen to my good buddy Bill Simmons, the Podfather, along with his uh, faithful cohort uh, cousin Sal on their uh, weekly Sunday night pod. And, and you know, one of the things that they were musing is what's kind of the point at this stage for Bill Belichick. And the only thing that's really 
in front of him is getting the all-time wins record as a, as a head coach because the identity of this team, and you just touched on it, is so radically different, this Patriots team. They make dumb mistakes every week in quantities that are more appropriate for franchises that have you know, not been to the playoffs in the last 10 years and don't have any playoff wins in the last 15 years. Look like a bottom-tier franchise. They're, they're all mental mistakes. They look uh, discoordinated, uncoordinated, and, and discombobulated. And it's just so not what we expect out of the Patriots. I mean, you know, maybe this is some karma for the 20-year run that they had. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. No one's feeling sorry. No one is feeling, no uh, feeling sorry. I'm not. No, no you're not. Actually, your team, uh, what, just, that was some of the worst uh, officiating for people who don't know. I should, I'd be a good radio host. Uh, Joe from Washington, Washington area, a Washington <laughs> fan. Uh, the Seawards the versus the Giants. I mean, not only was that game marred by a lot of calls that all went against Washington, but I, the idea of the Giants making the playoffs feels like uh, they're just they're going to get in and they're going to lose by thirty, and they're still not going to re-sign Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, nor should they. With uh, okay, now this is me just ranting about the Giants. I'm a Giants fan, but what were your thoughts about last night's crazy Sunday nighter? So a few thoughts in the first place to touch on your observation around the success of the Giants this year. It's wholly a function to me of Brian Dayball and the institutional stability that he delivered, the, the coaching staff that he arrived with. He arrived yeah. with a game plan, and he had an idea about how to maximize the talents of the, the, the guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the Giants, um, because it's a whole bunch of no-names. And, and, and yet, you know, they have a, a whole series of, of one-score games and games that they – one at the end in, in the fourth quarter. And to me, that, that's just coaching. Uh, what was disappointing for Washington especially was this weird phenomena that's, that, that is, I, I can't think of another time where this occurred. They played the Giants two weeks ago, then they had their bye, then they played the Giants again. And really yeah. those two games are going to chart the course for Washington as to whether or not they make the playoffs. They got a tie in New York. They had a full week to game plan and think about how they might tackle this Giants team. In the meantime, the Giants are getting absolutely annihilated by the Eagles, and they show up here on Sunday night in front of a national office uh, uh, audience, I'm talking about the Washington team here, and laid an absolute egg in terms of approach and concept. Now, the uh, officiating was against Washington, but you can't really complain about NFL officiating. The only thing that I will offer, and it's one of my, my favorite uh, pastimes to engage in conspiracy theories, if yeah. the NFL had any inclination that Dan Snyder is not yeah. going to do the thing that they really are, are hoping and, and insisting upon in, in all of the ways they, they can uh, bring it to bear, uh, about you know this this Washington franchise, if he's not prepared to sell the whole thing and take the seven billion dollars and move on with his life, I think them putting him on this national stage, his team on this national stage, and then showing him the subtle ways <laughs> that the, the team can be tortured. Yeah, that this is. I think that's what was going on last night. I love it, and uh, I, I love conspiracies as well. They make sports a lot more fun. You don't think, one thing I just realized in the middle of this, usually whenever you come on, we talk football or we talk basketball or often food, and we'll end with a, a drink question. Um, what's uh, just is How high in the headlines is Alexander Ovechkin right now who's going for goal number 801 tonight to tie Gordie Howe? 
So it, it's it's a lead item here in Washington, and every game here in Washington is a big sellout. But you know, hockey's still you know yeah. kind of dwarfed on, on the national scene here in the U.S. But here in Washington, it, it's wonderful to have you know this thing. Now the, the the team isn't very good, and you know the the approach by ownership was to basically trot out as as many parts of the Stanley Cup winning team from, you know, four or five seasons ago and keep that together and just let it be OV riding off into the sunset with these, these goals records. Um, it, that seems like the approach to me, at least. I don't know. Um, but they, because they don't seem very competitive in a, in a Stanley Cup kind of way. But, you know, it's, it's a fun thing. It's fun to go to the, the hockey games here in Washington. And, and, you know, he keeps on doing it. It's unbelievable. Russian machine don't yeah. break. Oh no, he's he. Austin Matthews has already missed more games in his career than uh, than Ovechkin in his 18th season. It's crazy. Um, nutmeg or cinnamon? What is your preferred accoutrement for your your eggnog and rum? Do do I have to choose? Why why wouldn't I just do both? All right, no, you can do that. So a, a, a little bit, a fifty fifty. Is it a fifty fifty split on the two? I like I like the the cinnamon a little bit stronger. As as the the you know overall palette, but you know, and that that's a function of um, what cookies I'm having with the uh, right. with the with the with the nog. But look, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> to each his own with the ratio. I guess I'm not. I don't have to choose, so I'm not going to. I like it. It's 2022. Freedom of all your choices. By the way, I once. Yeah, hell yeah. I once um, put a thing of eggnog in the freezer and then only opened it in the summer. So I could have a rum and eggnog standing on my dock in my cottage in the middle of the summer. It was delightful. Genius. Wow. Yes. What a mad yeah. wizard you are, Matt Cos. That's spectacular. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to keep that in mind. I just worry about a creamy drink. Is it like ice cream then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's, uh, I'm here today talking to you. So, no, I survived. It was well <laughs> worth it. And I do have to lose about 20 pounds. Hey, Joe, as we let you go, where can people, uh, where can people find your work? You, uh, great job on, on the pod talking all things NFL betting. But where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, Tuesdays, East Coast Bias on the Ringer gambling uh, podcast feed. And then on Fridays, I'm on with Warren Sharp doing the breakdown of the entire NFL slate. The East Coast Bias Show, we're doing uh, NFL and NBA. And then I'm jumping on with Bill Simmons whenever I can figure out how to invite myself on there. So uh, anywhere on the ringer, there's NFL or NBA, you, you, you will find me. At House from D.C. is, is the, the tag. I'm trying to work my way on every single thing they have to offer at the ringer. I love it. Sober, drunk, or anywhere in between. It's always a great listen. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Thanks, Matt. Always a pleasure. Take care. That is Joe Housen again, contributor at The Ringer.